I'm Cassada Bowman. Today, my guest is author and head of the sourdough school, Vanessa Kimball. She joins us from England. Here's a quick intro about Vanessa. At age nine, she moved to southwest France and lived right next to a bakery. The moment that she walked into this bakery, a deep connection was made. Everything about the craft resonated with her immediately. As a teen, she worked at that bakery. At 18, she left the countryside and worked at bakeries around France, then went to university in the UK. Around this time, she became sick and took a cocktail of antibiotics. That, in turn, destroyed her gut microbiome. And from that moment on, her body could not tolerate wheat. She had to stop baking. Her passion taken away overnight. For over four years, she avoided all wheat until she discovered that she could digest sourdough without issues. Today, we'll be discussing industrial white bread, eating with awareness, baking to nourish, and how everything is connected to what we eat. So I'll start by asking, as we always do, Vanessa, have you eaten yet? And if you have, what did you eat today? Hello, Seth. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, so I did a sliced, uh, seeded, traditional sourdough tar- 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 tartine, which is kind of like, a, I guess, just a big slice. It was a very weird and odd combination. <laughs> So it was toasted with um, some baked aubergine and hummus, um, kind of, I guess, a a sort of Eastern hummus. It's quite chunky. And then I layered on top of that a kind of minty, cucumbery, pomegranate seeded, um, very finely chopped salad. And then on top of that, I laid slices of chicken and I just sat and ate it with my uh, PA, um, my apprentice and our financial director, who's actually my husband, so he looks after all the money. And we sat down together at the table and we ate it all together. I try really, really hard to sit down and eat something. Oh, and then I had a tight, I can't live without it, tiny piece of, you see, everything has to be live. I have to have something live with everything. So I had a really tiny piece of really out of date, terribly stinky French rock (laughs) fur. So you see, I have all of the principles on which to to eat to 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 nourish. So the bread was long slow fermented. There was masses of diversity because there was probably fifteen different ingredients in the bread because it's made with one of my diversity blends: uh, hummus, chickpeas, olive oil, tarantella, cucumber, yogurt in the cucumber, mint dressing, mint. Uh, oh gosh, pepper, um, chicken, and I don't know what else was there. Oh, there was some carrot in there and some onions. That's 11. So there's 11 ingredients with that, and then plus 15. So 
I guess without drinking anything, I had 25 ingredients on my plate. And plus the Roquefort makes 26. And of course, there's that live probiotic from the yogurt and from the um, and from that really stinky old Roquefort. So that was my lunch. So wow. Diversity score of 25 or 26, I think. And I don't know the bacterial score, but I tend to normally score my bacteria as well. So I tend to do a sort of ingredient score and a bacterial score. Wow. <laughs> They are impressive, (laughs) and and others. So many people in the world, they say, "Oh, I just popped my probiotic pill." It's like, no, you just ate those twenty six ingredients. No, you see, Sutter, I don't actually really like pill popping, but I'm a you know, if you find me dead and buried at the bottom of the garden, it's because I'm going to share a secret with you. I quite like knowing strain specifically what I'm doing, so I will go and nick. Uh, Bifidobacterium or Rhamnosus or, uh, or, you know, or Plantarum, knowing which strain it's in from a commercial product. And I will ferment my own using that. So I will make my yogurt or my kefir or my sauerkraut using strain-specific bacteria. Huh. <laughs> uh, just, wow. Where I inoculate right. things. So there's, you know, sometimes I, don't, I can't be bothered and I just pick up on whatever's in the air. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to play with this one and see what happens or this cluster. And then, of course, there's anything else that happens to be around and what is on my hands, which is to some extent what's related to what's in my sourdough starter. So that's a sort of, you know, bacterial playground, really. And, and you get to eat it. All right. Well, I'm excited just from that intro. Uh, before we jump into everything bread related, can you give me a quick update about life in the UK when it comes to COVID? Have restrictions been lifted? Are restaurants and schools like yours back open with indoor capacity? It's a very strange thing because I believe that we're very close to being pretty much have that freedom, but I'm not sure we're free in our heads yet. So I would say that there's a big difference between actual freedom and where our headspace is at. And there's been untold damage and and there is an untold and unregistered cost to the true and very brutal real cost of, of COVID that is not measurable in number of deaths. I believe it's impacted people, especially the vulnerable the people who are have financial difficulties, who have mental health issues, who are elderly. There's been a great deal of difficulty and lifting ourselves out of that is going to take a great deal more than just the government saying, well, you can now go meet in the garden. We're not allowed necessarily inside of each other's houses yet. Um, we're all sort of finding our own way through it, <laughs> including ourselves here. Yeah. So your school is closed at the moment? No, we reopen in to teach in May. Um, I have a, a, a pretty huge waiting list, um, probably two years worth, but I'm about to sort of retire from teaching and I'm about to make an announcement about what we're going to change. Um I'm working on a new project. I might even tell you. (laughs) Wow. I haven't really announced what we're doing yet, but we're very, very, very close to something completely cool and completely new that is going to get people very excited. Um, Shall I tell you? Without totally discussing it, I mean, if you feel comfortable. (laughs) But but I 
I'm curious and I and I I wonder just without if you choose to say it or not is it kind of during this pandemic Zoom and the online classes did that totally just take off for you? Yes, I mean we run the Sado club and the Sado club has got hundreds of hours of tutorials and teaching and a structured way for people to do almost everything they would do when they come here. Um, it's an incredible resource and we've got hundreds and hundreds of members and I have actually have a team that run that with me now and we try and put new stuff on there not quite weekly but pretty much almost weekly new recipes new techniques uh it's very structured learning but then there's also a very open element to once you've kind of learned you can go around and play and there's a massive community on our Facebook page and they are very noisy they're like a, a posse <laughs> It's so cool to see people start going, I don't know what I'm doing to look at my bread and also look at who they shared it with and the store. Each one has its own story. So, so, okay, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. You've got an exclusive on this, Cassata. Thank you. Okay. The Sado School, I've been teaching for over a decade and we've been teaching something called the online, we've been teaching in person, the Diploma in Nutrition and Digestibility Bread. And it is my entire life's work that I've been teaching and people come here and they learn. But actually, there's so much research and so much reading and so much homework that we have actually moved now the entire diploma to be a one year course. Now, here's the bit that has changed. When somebody has completed a diploma course, they will. They, they, I will not be teaching people anymore. I will only be teaching teachers. So we are converting into a teacher training college. Wow. So as of 2022, anyone who – because you can't become a teacher who can teach a nutrition and digestibility bread unless you've done at least a year on it. You need to read the papers, understand the gut microbiome, understand the systems, understand the bread. And even then, in a year, I'm not sure I could download my whole brain. But right. I'm going to have a good go at it. <laughs> and then this is where it goes really, really cool. And I'm so excited. I'm still talking to the legal team about structure and about licensing. But we're going to, we've got three inquiries at the moment that are, I think are a green light. That the teachers who qualify or who have already qualified as on my diploma um, and who have done the teacher training course will be um, allowed to apply to uh to open a, a licensed sado school around the world so there'll be schools around the world wow so that's what i'm doing <gasps> vanessa so we're just about to do this and really because you're the first person i've taught outside of my um outside of this room so it's still underway i've still got another month of really really hard work to do to get it all together and the first teacher training will not happen until summer 2022 because in order to qualify they have to do the diploma it's a year but there's a year also of experimenting on themselves and checking how their blood sugar reacts and looking at their own gut microbiome and it's a year of really exploring not just how to make the bread but what impact the bread has on people and how that impacts different people at different stages and how we can teach and then the final part of the jigsaw puzzle is that two of the places, two of the licenses are going to be allocated to my charity section. It's not registered, but it's what I do. 
and we will be looking for two charity partners who we will support for free uh, to teach, we hope, vulnerable teenagers who slip through the cracks in the mental health section. As you go from being a teenager to an adult, there's this gap and we'd like to uh, provide support. And once the structure is in place, we will be inviting some people and we will be looking at giving a significant part of, of the structure of our organisation to supporting people who couldn't afford to learn to make bread, who will have the most impact with. And that's part of my the way that I teach here. And I've been doing that for many years, just wow. unofficially. <laughs> so I have about 11 sisters or 12 sisters at the moment. And sisters doesn't mean female, by the way. It's just a sisterhood was kind of like a sort of gathering of support. And it was, you know, we have got men that are sisters as well. We're just completely like, it, it, it's not a sexual thing. It was just a... Right. You're creating your tribe. It was a tribe. tribe. It was a tribe of people who were willing to teach people for free. So that is essentially where I want to go to really mass. And I've I've got my eye on somewhere in Mumbai um, that I want to see if I could teach at, but also in the UK. And I already support like at least 11 or 12 sisters as well. Wow. But in the meantime... (laughs) I mean, just what a concept. Is this the first of its kind? I think there have been other people who have um, who have enabled people to kind of franchise, but this is a, a very long-standing company with a very deep roots. With the support system of my team, we have our in-house GP, four of my team are nutritionists. We have a gast- uh, we have a, a, an oncologist, Professor Robert Thomas, a psychiatrist who is a Professor David Veal. We have a gut health specialist, Dr. Miguel Torbeas Mateus. We have a a brain specialist who specialises in Alzheimer's, uh, who's Dr. Elizabeth Phillips. We have our own fantastic, gorgeous in-house GP, Dr. Uh, Alex Davidson. So I've I've brought together a multi... We have Pauline Beaumont, who specialises also in... um, she, She really looks after the kind of mental well-being side of it. So we have assembled the kind of Saudo Avengers. <laughs> yes. Each person is a multidisciplinary team that looks at the entire system of bread and really part of the core values and principles of what we have established here is actually in looking at uh, each aspect of community sharing knowledge uh very much having to uh correct misinformation especially when it comes to gluten naughty gluten bad gluten in your bed gluten because it, it gluten is like anything only bad when it's not been processed properly in other words when it's been fast fermented which is i think where you want to kind of come to to with this conversation to learn. yes but um we have to take a stand because the the truth is the lower down the social economic scale you are, the more uh, wheat products you eat, and the more dependent you are on that kind of um, food for sustenance. And if we are continuing to um, to have a, a systems that basically. Uh, facilitate people uh, considering this fast, white, cheap, fibre-devoid, enzyme-filled food that is loaded with refined white carbohydrates. Not only are we starving 
our symbiotic gut microbiome that is actually essential that we've, we've learned to both physical and mental health. We're also um, causing blood sugar spikes. It's it's uh, exacerbating diabetes, diabetes, obviously diabetes and obesity. Um, and it feels to me that we are right on the edge of... Of, of having to change systems that were designed to work in the 1940s and 50s of post-war um, because they're actually making people ill. And in the same way that smoking was regarded as being um, acceptable and people didn't understand that they were harming themselves over many, many years and giving themselves illnesses, why is white bread any different Right. It's just it's if you compare, I mean, we're not smoking, we're eating. I mean, this is still, you know, what just it, I I just cannot separate that comparison between continuing to uh allow society to slowly make themselves poorly to why is that any different from smoking? We know that this is contributing to inflammatory diseases. We know it's contributing to um, white that that, that white bread, that that unrefined um, bread is is starving the microbes. We know that the microbes don't have what they need to make what we call short-chain fatty acids, which are both fuel for the good microbes in our gut. We all have this fantastic gut microbiome. I'm sure many of your... Um, people have sort of talked about this before, but it, it weighs the same as our brain. There's this gut-brain axis and there's, there's many microbes through, you know, that, that sort of pathway from our brain to our gut as there are in, a, in, a, in neurons in a cat's brain, which is fascinating. There's all this stuff going on, even as we're talking. And I just cannot get my head around this knowledge being understood and and yet this um, void between the application of understanding that we need diversity and we need to ferment the food and break it down and make it more bioavailable and, 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 and what people are actually eating in real life. And if you walk around and look in the trolleys and look at what people are considering to be bread, it just is. It's it's just so far removed from bread. I'm not even sure I I could call it bread. I think it's just a very, a very, uh, a very very wrong to 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 consider to continue to allow this to go on, and also to continue to listen to re- renowned dietitians and nutritionists and 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 people in the industry tell people to to avoid gluten. It just baffles me. Because avoiding gluten is just is 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 actually wrong on so many levels. Um, so first, I want to just interject and say uh, congratulations, because <laughs> Did I you were on. Well, Sorry. no, you're on. You're on the precipice of something so huge, which is why I asked, has this been done? It has not been done on this level with your sourdough avengers and these (laughs) leading experts that you've gathered and you guys are going so deep and i'm glad that you just introduced all of the basics to us before we dive in because we are a society where gluten-free is being pummeled into our brains and so you're quite literally starting 
a worldwide organization to cure people. I don't want to use cure. Cure is a, a medical term. What I actually want to do is to prevent them even needing curing in the first place. <laughs> ah, <laughs> way way ahead, two steps ahead. So we got it. So so uh, Alex, Dr. Alexander Davidson, and my whole team are pretty much all on, on what we call functional medicine, and we look at the body as a whole. So one of our aims is to help through that fermentation reduce the inflammatory um, property of gluten. And gluten in the wrong person, if you have what we call dysbiosis or you have a breach in, in, your, uh, in your gut lining, you get something called dysbiosis. And essentially what happens is that really fast fermented bread, that has, especially the ones that have no fibre in, if you, if you have that leaky gut, then the proteins are whole. And they haven't been degraded because they've gone whoosh through a factory in, you know, in, 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 in as fast as possible for maximum profit for the organisation. Time is money. And that gluten, that gl- especially that, those gliadin proteins, um, that part of, of, of that, that gliadin within that, um, well, that is uh, potentially very inflammatory if it gets through your gut lining. And what happens is, is your immune system goes... You're eating your lunch, you know, yum, I'm eating a tuna sandwich. Very nice, a little bit of mayo, a little bit of, you know, sweet corn in there, yum, yum. And then suddenly a little bit of your tuna sandwich has gone through your gut wall and your immune system's gone, ah, ah, we're under attack. The, the, The tuna sandwich is attacking us and your immune system overreacts and it starts to kind of uh, attack. It's automatically an auto-attack, if you like, and that is uh, the very beginnings of, you know, of, of, of low-grade inflammation, and that is one of the major things that they are learning and the medical side are learning uh, across every single part of the medical profession, from cardiologists to neurologists to oncologists, uh, all the irgists are all learning <laughs> that low-grade inflammation is associated with all those non-communicable diseases from obesity to diabetes to uh, Alzheimer's to multiple sclerosis. It's all connected. And if your gut is under stress, under strain, then of course there are certain foods that will trigger low-grade inflammation. And I'm, I'm very sorry to say that dietitians are correct fast fermented bread that has the gluten still intact is potentially inflammatory they're not wrong but what they've never done is made that next step they've never taken their brain past that they've only looked at the impact of sliced white if you roll it back we've only been eating that crap sorry for um, for at the very most maybe 110 115 years it, it actually came in uh, during the the late 1890s, early 1900s. So we've had millennia and there are thousands and thousands of years of us eating whole grain, long, slow fermented, multi-seeded, diverse bread up until that point in history. And this is a nanosecond of our history. And it is now having a, I believe, is having, it underpins so much of what is wrong with the Western diet, but the misinformation drives me absolutely potty, Cassata, because I I just (laughs) cannot tell you how many dietitians I want to sort of reach into Instagram and say, no, 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 (laughs) just stop, don't give up bread. (laughs) 
<laughs> there's another way and it nourishes and it's really really better for you and we can we can share this well i'm glad that you brought up the dietitians uh i i want to just uh, i want to go into kind of what i see at my restaurant uh so in our society we often hear ugh I got to lay off the bread. I need to lose some weight. I need to lose a few pounds. In my restaurant, it's not uncommon on any given day to receive an order or two or three that says automatically no bread. And I say this because we even have a house-made bread with full of seeds, full of the most nutritious thing that my husband, the chef makes. And people aren't they're so programmed to just say no bread wherever they go that when they're around good quality bread, they're even scared of that. So the next question is also that I get a couple times a day, people to ask, do you have gluten-free bread? I want to discuss industrial white bread further uh, and zone in really, is it damaging our society on a cultural level? You've already touched on this. Yes, it is. Specifically, I want to learn more about the relationship between fermentation and mental health when it comes to anxiety and depression. Hmm. Okay, so that's split into two. So your your first question was uh, discussing industrial white breads. So here's the thing. Does your car need petrol to run or diesel to run at this point in time? If you have a combustion engine, of course it does. Does your body need fibre and uh, in order to make the metabolites that your brain needs to function? Yes, it does. Absolutely. So just coming to look at, uh, at what we consider to be flour itself we need to review what is considered to be flour now here's one of the strange things Cassata. most chefs in fact almost everybody up in the world up until recently apart from one amazing guy called guy frankel who was kind of doing this as i was d developing it, it used to drive me mad because i could see him working as well and uh for about four or five years i'd been under embargo until my sweet saldo school book came out now, you would define flour as what, Cassata? Flour. Um, it's just, what, what's flour? I would say that it's ground or milled wheat. Excellent. Okay. So you've got one ingredient. So your diversity score in your bread, not your husband's because he's got seeds and things in it. So his is good. Okay. But basically, you've got a monoculture there. So it's monoculture bad for the planet. Yes, it is. Is it bad for the gut? Yep, you're only feeding one layer of microbes because we know that the wider the diversity of your food, the wider the diversity of your gut microbiome. So when we mill our flour here at the Sado School, we mill the whole meadow. So in my flour, when you go downstairs, because I'm upstairs at the moment, you will find a great huge pot. And in that pot is... Yes, there's wheat, but there's spelt and einkorn and emma and there's barley and there's rye and there's some uh, corisan. But not only that, there's also the whole meadow. So in there, there are rose petals, there are cornflowers, there's some wild oregano, there's some wild mint. Uh, there's some bee pollen actually in that one at the moment. And I, uh, the particular meadow that I was in, I, um, I, there were some olive leaves, so there's some dried olive leaves in it. Um, and so 
my and there's nettles dried nettles they're fantastically rich in iron and very good with minerals so when I mill I have 10 blends that I shared in that sweet sado school book um I mill uh the most beautiful it's almost like sort of potpourri but with, with grain paper, <laughs> the whole meadow is in there. Sometimes I'll chuck a cardamom pod in with some orange peel if it's Christmas. Oh. Sometimes like now this time of year and when I'm making a focaccia, I'm a little bit of fresh basil in there and it's just so aromatic. And I have different blends. So I have a red blend, which is high in polyphenols that has a hibiscus in. Uh, I have a yellow blend that has corn in and has marigold petals in and marigolds. Yeah, absolutely. So there's um, I have a green blend that has green tea in it and oh, each blend and each flower has this, this gentle, subtle pastel hue, but it's perfume like you're standing in a meadow right. and that nourishes the whole gut. So in the very beginning, you're asking me about the white bread. So not only does the white bread have no fibre in, white bread has no diversity in either. So these are two major factors. So we come back to the core principles that I teach it's about diversity. Now, if you want to create the diversity at home, you don't have to have a mill. You can go and raid your cupboard. And you, I'm sure you could do something like uh, you could take a normal flower and you could take 10% out and put some rye in. So there's two. There's a diversity score of two. You could put a tablespoon of coffee in. There's three. You could put a tablespoon of cocoa powder in. There's four. You might find some coriander and toast it and smash it up there's five so I can give you a diversity score of five in your bread in a nanosecond just by raiding the pantry you've got wow. to rethink what you think flour is you can Interesting. put some in it's really about creating diversity in your most basic food that's even before you ferment it so this is before you get to the fermentation wow okay that rethinking that's uh very easy for listeners I can I can picture that even if I have no background with cooking mm. you've made it very easy and very fun and delicious yes yes you're playing <laughs> what smells good what tastes good what looks good absolutely and your microbes are just going woo and they're having a party because look at this Mm-mm, bit of flavonoids from here few polyphenols from there uh-uh we're going to make some more short chain fatty acids and that is going to protect your gut because that short-chain fatty acids uh, is like, um, cassata is like, I mean, it sounds really horrible, but it's not. It's like engine oil. It kind of, it kind of coats your lining of your gut, protects, and it stops that tuna sandwich from crossing over into past the gut wall because all that lovely, sumptuous, microbial slime is protective. And that is what stops that low-grade inflammation. And that is why we have to think about, in the first instance, that white bread is an absolute no-no. It's just a no. Full stop. What what about gluten-free bread? Okay, so it really depends. If you're making gluten-free bread at home, I think it's very different to what you find on the supermarket shelf. So I don't want to kind of say bad things about gluten-free, but what we find is... Often people who are avoiding gluten have misdiagnosed themselves. Often it's self-diagnosis. And this is one of the reasons we have our GP in here. And there was a fantastic study at the Monash University that showed that all these people who had decided they were gluten intolerant were actually not. They had no problem with gluten at all because 
as people will often tell you, Tim Spector's book has a fantastic chapter on this, it's called Spoon Fed. Most people, unless they're actually celiac, which is a, an autoimmune disease, or unless they have a non-celiac gluten sensitivity, which is quite difficult to diagnose, um, most people actually are, have a problem with FODMAPs. Now, FODMAPs are known as fermented oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides and polyols. And these are essentially sugars. Now, if you eat those sugars straight and you have a compromised gut, and I was talking to um, Eve Kalink last night about this, and you add multi-layers of other uh, impacts of denying yourself fibre, of high stress, of antibiotics, of, of all of the other lifestyle, you get IBS. And IBS will mean that when you eat these undigested, remember undigested, i.e. even gluten-free fibres, you will bloat and you will feel uncomfortable and the gut is very sensitive and you end up with quite sort of unpleasant symptoms. Now, what I find to be quite uh, difficult to watch is people who have IBS who then choose to follow restricted diets are often denying themselves the very fibre that they need to rebuild up their microbes. And secondly, the enzymes that are often used in the shop-bought gluten-free are well documented to further reduce the diversity of your gut microbiome. There are emulsifiers, there are preservatives, there are enzymes, and there it is low fat, high sugar, as in sucrose, and packed full of everything that further reduces your gut's health. And I find that to be a, very difficult to go into uh, the supermarket and see commercial companies profiting from uh, consumers' ignorance uh, and perpetuating this need, this gluten-free fad, the fact is, if you think you have a gluten issue, you know you need to go and talk to your GP. If you do find you have a gluten, uh, you have a gluten issue, then that's a medical condition, and in which case, yes, gluten free, and I would suggest home baking. Um, if you have got IBS, then what you need to do is you need to talk to a nutritionist or a dietitian that understands that slowly, slowly, slowly reintroducing and, and breaking down the fibres before you eat it, i.e. fermenting the fibres, but pre-digesting, fermenting the fibres before you eat it, um, that's a, 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 an entirely different uh, thing and you need to learn techniques to relax. So that can be during bread making. You can kind of get in the groove, put your music on, turn it all off and, and kind of lose yourself in the moment. Uh, sharing kind of laughter jam butter you know um, giving bread to your neighbor going for a walk and collecting your ingredients for your botanical blends yes you know all these things that go with a lifestyle involves making bread or celebrating bread by going to the local market or connecting to the local baker and so you're talking the gluten-free is a very contentious area really because again it's full of misinformation and inevitably people do the most terrible thing they starve themselves uh, of, 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 of bread and they decide that it's it's something that they need to avoid and then what they actually do is they starve the microbes to death 
that would normally break down the gluten and, and, and help to to assimilate the, the fibre in there. So essentially they're perpetuating <laughs> the very thing that they're trying to avoid. And then of course they go back to eating it because let's face it, most people are not actually disciplined. So I've got a question for you, Kasata. How many times have you had somebody say, I, I, don't, eat, I don't eat bread, and then you watch them tucking into something on the menu or helping themselves to somebody else's plate? And you're like, uh-uh, you just said you couldn't eat that. And there they are. Always. This is so wrong. It's, it's the same thing with milk and oat milk. Oh, no, I have to have oat milk. Oh, and then they're drinking the latte next to them made with whole milk. It's the same thing. Um, what is the, if we can touch on fermentation and mental health, uh, when it comes to anxiety and depression, you know, I've been hearing more about this lately. Um, what is that link? What does that look like? So my first degree is in psychology of psychology of human communication. And part of that was a large chunk of psychology. So my interest has always been, in we did a lot on cognitive development and the brain and development and the way that the brain works um, is is very much linked to the gut so this is what we call this gut brain connection and there's a discipline that has been emerging and there's some fantastic people to to, to kind of I'll point you in the direction of in a minute to talk and to, to, to go and dig more and dig deeper in um but this discipline is called nutritional psychiatry. And it, it's just right at the front of discovering that uh, the what you eat, the way you eat it, and the, 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 the food that we feed ourselves is um, central to the way we feel. There's an element of blood sugar management not coming up and then crashing down with this refined white carbs. So that is, again, a hormonal pathway where you go up with your sugars, your insulin kicks in, your blood sugar then comes down, in comes the cortisol because, oh, you've now got lower blood sugar and then you're back on the route again. So this is like, you know, snappy, snappy, must have, you know, we all do it in the afternoon, Me, myself included. I had some fruit and nuts before I spoke to you to keep, keep my energy level um so part of 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 his blood sugar management so that's one thing so the other thing is we touched on already is giving the gut the raw ingredients the fiber and diversity of fiber in order to manufacture the chemicals needed so uh there are some very good people like uh kimberly bell uh who's written a book um, um on the brain She's uh, she's written a fantastic book and she also highlights the same as Eve Kalink has and the same as um, uh, I think Tim Spector's mentioned it in his book as well. Um, the, the microbes in your gut, they make dopamine, serotonin, which of course is a precursor to melatonin, i.e. so you can sleep. You right. Know. And GABA. Now, GABA is really fascinating because GABA essentially uh, calms down the neurons in the brain, you know, and that is kind of like a, a calming and a cooling kind of thing. And you have specific microbes in your gut. So, for example, now here's, here's a little pathway. So, for example, you have bifidobacterium, say, for example, in your gut and those bifidobacterium uh 
uh, gobble up uh, sugars. Now those sugars are things like exopolysaccharides and polysaccharides and sometimes galacto-oligosaccharides and they're all these sugars created from fermentation. It's interesting. Or from breast milk, actually, when you when a baby's first born, you know, these 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 sugars are in the breast milk to encourage, see, this is mad, isn't it? Huh. Uh, to encourage the Bifidobacterium infantis to to kind of um, to kind of uh, increase that positive microbe. And they in turn make the uh, there's this GABA and the serotonin. This is one of the ones that's a real good guy. And then there's something so there's something really beautiful about eating something that nourishes something that actually then has a, a magical effect in your body to produce these chemicals that you need for your for your head to function. You are not a separate entity. The, the, you know, the stomach is not one part. You can't pull yourself apart like potato man, you know, oh, stomach over there, head over there, guys. You're one entity. <laughs> you cannot separate yourself. And right. so the body has this incredible way of like an innate system. So this is what's cool. If you get really stressed, right, let's pretend there's a lion stalking outside your restaurant and it's going to eat you, right? And you need to survive because it wants you wants to eat you for supper. Mm-hmm. It's going, mm-mm-mm, because Santa mm-hmm. looks really tasty. <laughs> and you're going, oh, help! <laughs> there's a lion outside. You're... So your high cortisol level, your stress hormone is screaming. Um, <laughs> You're going to, you know, stress. Now, yes. what happens there is there is a direct correlation with your bifidobacteria. You, it reduces. Of course it reduces. It, 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 it makes the GABA that calms things down. You do not want to be calm when there is a lion that's going to eat you. Right. So, of course, of course. So we're now living in a society where it's not a lion. It's not a lion. It's a phone or a social media or someone said something right. or somebody texted you something nasty. Yes. Or, or you've got too much to do and you can't get away from it all and you are utterly like wired on the edge of that anxiety all the time. And so we need to understand that what was once protective is now actually damaging because damaging the microbes that then help us line the gut. So stress, we have to understand that it's really bad for our digestion and is often blamed for gluten. So <laughs> gluten is getting the blame for the fact that your bloody phone won't stop ringing. Poor wow. gluten is getting, really, it's just about fermenting gluten. If it, it, It's just beyond me because, again, Kasata, what happens if you eat raw chicken? Well, you probably would get sick because your gut's not used to it. Okay, and and you get you get salmonella, right? Okay, good. It doesn't take very long. It takes what two or three hours, and you're chucking guts up, right? Right. Or it's going through the other way. That's right. Gluten is the same. Gluten over a long period of time, with all of the other environmental factors, will make you poorly. So you cook a chicken, don't you? It's very obvious. You cook it until it's edible, right? Okay, why is it any different that we shouldn't understand that gluten should be fermented? It just takes longer. It's just a slower process, but it is no different than saying you need to cook chicken or it'll make you ill. You need to ferment gluten or in the end it will make you ill. 
right. in with given all the other kind of lifestyle situations we have at the moment. So it's just process and we have to start applying process. Yeah. I think it's got tied in with uh, weight loss, with obesity, with uh, this whole uh, shed pounds, just stop eating bread. You know, that's just the first thing that people, it's been pummeled into people's minds in certain circles of this world. Part of my work has been doing a doctorate and part of that has been, I've been uh, measuring people's gut microbiome getting them to eat for 10 to 11 weeks of what we call a dietary intervention, which is eating the way that I um, teach them to eat, which is this system of our seven core principles, and then re-measuring their gut microbiome. And during the last lockdown, I had 10 participants and uh, several of them lost weight whilst eating two or 300 uh, grams of, of my bread a day. Because fibre is filling you up for longer it's the satiety so you're full right. Right. and not your microbes are not sending screamingly starving signal to your brain saying i need feeding and you 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 know your blood sugars are manageable so you're level for longer and it's quite the opposite so actually to be really honest with you <laughs> it's another misinformation that is just out there and it just is just so ridiculous yeah yes by all means give up the white bread that's throwing your insulin up because your insulin is gonna lay it all down as fat on your on your backside (laughs) right (laughs) and not the not the fiber fiber is uh i your your husband's bread tell me what he puts in it because it sounds really like it's full of healthy stuff. It, yeah, it's a bunch of seeds. It's Well, you know, we do a smar broad. So when we went to Denmark, you know, and it's all around. It's the open-faced sandwich made on the dense rye bread made with all types of other seeds. So he took that concept of making this dense rye bread, but with a plethora of seeds. And it changes all the time, depending on what's in season, depending on, on what he has, you know. So, yeah, it's... So we have one similar here, and uh, we call it uh, Big Poop's Bread. (laughs) (laughs) Some chia seeds in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your husband's going to love this. And (laughs) what I need to know from my students is, (laughs) if it's a really good bread, we call it a double flusher. (laughs) 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 So... It's uh, yeah, so big poops bread and double flush. And I had a student who was here, and they were all staying in the same hotel. It's very English, you know. Everyone's very quiet, and they're all eating their their breakfast. And he sat at the table, and they were all very very quiet—a full dining room. And then he leaned forward, and all he said was, "She wasn't wrong." And the whole table just fell around. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, "All the diners were like, what did he say?'" (laughs) Well, that's a problem. I know people in my life, friends of friends, who take, you know, Metamucil every day to get a poop. It's like, that's not (laughs) necessary when you're eating nutritiously, truly nutritiously. 
exactly so it's it's just no one likes to talk about you know oh you know this gave me wind or this gave me you know big poops but actually yeah. we have to just we have to realize that what goes in has to come out and that's we need right. to you know yeah absolutely. you celebrate those poops absolutely <laughs> double flushes all the way so yeah so so yeah coming back to your question about uh no that deferment. was that was great no i that you broke it down and i and i understand that when you broke down the phone, the social media, the cortisol, the the lion example, I think broke that down to simplicity. So I, I understand that now. And I think our listeners will as well. It is a direct correlation when talking about the mind and the gut. So the next part of the question, I'm trying to break down a little quicker, but that is how on earth does fermentation fit into all of this? Because we've talked about diversity, we've talked about stress, we've talked about the gut, we've talked about fibre. But one of the things that I haven't talked about now, having talked, like, you know, you've introduced me to sourdough however many minutes ago, which is actually the fermentation process itself. So this is where the real magic kind of happens. We have this incredible world around us, this microbial and there are more microbes in a teaspoon of soil than there are stars in the sky. It's incredible. It's it's all around us, and we have our own, obviously, microbiome, but the world itself is a biosphere, and the soil is a biosphere, and all around that, from right up in, 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 the, in the top of the sort of strata of the atmosphere, all the way down into the kind of, you know, volcanic parts of, of the planet, we have microbes and 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 archaea and protosea and they form um a living uh part of we're symbiotic with the, the, the planet is and so are we and we evolved with this and our own microbiomes we're completely symbiotic with and we have to understand we need to look after them so here's where sado comes in the mycado starter has got microbes in there that we can identify as being particularly female from me. So there's lacto- lactobacillus kimchi, which is from my hands. It's a female uh, microbe, very uh, sweet, quite lactic. Uh, there's also San Francisensis in there, which is actually from inside of the micro, inside of an insect, inside the gut of an insect that munches on flowers. So when you actually mill in the flower, they're really, really teeny tiny. They're microscopic. You can't see them, but this is where they reside. Because if you're going to eat flour and you're going to have a munch on flour, where do you live? You live inside an insect, okay? And that is a very kind of uh, acetic kind of, um, it's what we call heterofermentative. It produces vinegar and that really makes the bread more sour. So there's two of the microbes in, in my own starter that I can tell you about. And that starter actually, when I mix it with the flour, does loads of different things at once. It's, there's a, like a sort of firework of all sorts of things happening. And one of the easiest things to imagine in your head is what's actually going on in the flower. So most of the flower are seeds. What happens if you water a seed? Grows. What are, ah, thinks it's growing. So it goes, woo! And all of the component parts of that seed, if it's whole grain, start to kind of behave like, come on, boys, we're growing. Oh, come on, enzymes, start working. So all of the plant's natural enzymes kick into action at the same time that your microbes come in. Got it. So you've got uh, enzymes that break down protein, i.e. the gluten, uh, so um, protease. You've got amylase. The amylase breaks down the starch, munch, 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 because 
the, the, the new baby plant is going to need some starch and it starts breaking down the lipids, you know, with lip lipase, much, much, much. And at the same time as all of this breakdown is going and also something called phytase, which is phytic acid that starts being broken down. And all of these different component parts of the wheat have different jobs to do. Now, what is gluten's job? Why is gluten there? Is gluten there to make us big, bouncy, holy bread to get likes on Instagram? Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I think what gluten was there for was to be this non-soluble, glutinous mass that took a long time to break down to give the plant energy after the starch had been used up. Okay. Uh, I lost you for a second. So I think what gluten is uh, there for is it's this glutinous kind of almost glue. If you ever sort of get it down to it's like chewing gum. And what its purpose is, is to be there as the second part of feeding a plant. Okay. So the the first baby plant's going to munch on the starch, which is readily available. And then the gluten is like, you know, food in another day or so's time. Got it. It's like... It's like if you have a baby, you don't give it all its food in the first minute, can't even eat it. So you give right. it sections. Okay. Okay. So the gluten is never meant to be broken down immediately. It's meant Got to it. take time to break down. Ah, okay. So it was never meant, and it was never meant for big holes. It was meant to be a food source for an emerging embryo. Got it. So we never really go back to the beginning and say, what was the purpose of what we're eating? Because then we would understand its behaviour and what it's meant to do. So when you add that water, the gluten comes together, the starches kind of like comes together. And what a baker actually does is it adds in yeast and bacteria. And as that flour thinks it's growing... The lactic acid bacteria and the yeast are going, woo, food. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a war zone in there, you know? Yeah. This lovely little plant goes, hey, we're growing, boys. And the lactic acid bacteria, they're going, mm, food. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is all going on as you mix your dough up. Wow. So the lactic acid bacteria produce acid lactic acid and vinegar now that acid is what makes it sour and that contributes to the breakdown of gluten and ah okay so sourdough sour acidity breaks it down got it okay okay wow all of all of so does that that on its own should that make more sense totally okay and that takes time because totally all of of these little things where you say 18 hours fermentation or 20 hours fermentation what you really mean is 18 or 20 hours of the microbes kicking out acid right and and really and and 18 hours of the enzymes breaking down the protein for the plant which isn't going to grow we're going to eat it and 18 hours of the enzymes breaking down the starch and all of this all of this when you give it time it's just breakdown and a re uh transformation of the flower because the the flower has been pre-digested by a gang of uh enzymes and microbes that have almost in many ways behaved like your gut 
Right. It's like a mini gut. Right. So you see, before you eat your bread, it's already had 90% of the breakdown, if you like, done for you. And now I understand why years ago, when you discovered that sourdough agreed with you, why? Yes, because it had been all of the things that were upsetting me. Those We go back to the beginning of the conversation. So the gluten was broken down. The FODMAPs were broken down. The phytic acid was broken down by those enzymes. Mm -hmm. And it had been pre-digested. So when I had learnt to bake sourdough in France, and then I came back to England, which is where I had the main problems, what had actually happened was that I uh, had uh, stopped eating the sourdough because I wasn't I was in England. And when I went back to France, that after that, that huge kind of uh, antibiotic kind of uh, reaction that I had not being able to eat wheat anymore. And that taking those four years off and going back to France, that's when I discovered that I was like a, an alleluia moment that I could eat sourdough. And that was the moment really that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm me again. Because it was everything that was right about the world, sharing and baking and, and all of that. But I think what really drove me mad was coming back to England and asking a doctor why I could digest the French bread, but not the English bread. And he leaned back in his chair with a lovely doctor, Dr. Tom White, and he just said, I had no idea. <laughs> and here I am, however many years later, with that knowledge and understanding and now with that you know it's more than 20 years it's it's 21 years now since I talked to that doctor and I'm like you know it's been it's been a lifetime and I was delighted to be teaching uh, last year the Royal College of General Practitioners Nutrition and Digestibility of Bread Course to the doctors which is fantastically interesting delighted to be supported by people like well Nigella, Tim Spector, Diana Henry, um, BBC Radio 4, Dan Saladino, all of these kind of people who are really rock the food world, very humble about it and so enthusiastic still about sharing that understanding of bread isn't just bread, it's part of, it's, symbio it, it, it's symbolic, it's sharing. I don't know if you watch people yeah. in your restaurant just like have some of this. Oh. Did you watch people yes. sharing? yes. It's, it's uh, during COVID, we, I think everyone took a little bowed back from that, but now, you know, starting to uh, have that sharing as part of our society and culture forever since, since the beginning of time. Um, just a question when you're talking about eating bread when you were in the UK versus when you were in France, uh, sourdough bread, even if you were to go, I'm just thinking of potential questions from people, even if they were to go to the market and it was not freshly baked, more of an industrial sliced sourdough, is that still going to have be better than white bread? It's very interesting because it's, it's quite a, a bone of contention, you see. So most of the kind of cool hipster bearded bakers who make the handmade loaf think that sourdough is the exclusive preserve of the wealthy and the educated. I'm sorry, it's really not. Um, I believe that it is time to fundamentally shake up the entire bread making system. And I've been working for many years, bringing my knowledge 
to the industrial section because I would like to change the systems on a on a level that actually impacts society. So it is actually time now to create diversity and fermentation in the everyday loaves that people eat without even thinking about it. Because not every single person wants to make to go and fetch or make a handmade diversity loaf made by a virgin in the moonlight that's going to nourish their gut. Sometimes they just want to go to the supermarket, grab something off the shelf and just eat it. And the lower end of society who perhaps may not be as fascinated with their gut microbes or, or, or as other people just want they have other interests not everyone yeah. has is interested in bread they just want to eat they don't really want to know they just want to know it's good for me okay go, off i go they okay. don't even know need to know it's good for them they just need to be able to eat something and that is oh, values so for me uh fresh air clean water and bread that nourishes is uh, is a basic human right and that comes back to my I used to walk into the little school in the village in France I was allowed to go in at the end of term my my school would finish early because I'd be in the UK schooling and they would let me walk through the door and above the door was um uh is it liberty Egality, fraternity so liberty freedom and brotherhood basically the French uh and the one that really struck me was uh, equality. So I believe that bread is something that can be equal around the world. I believe that bread that nourishes is an equality, the same as fresh air and clean water. It's just a basic human right. So I have a huge task on my hands, hence why coming back to opening the schools around the world is our next step So. That's been very nice to share that with you. It kind of no. rounds it up, doesn't it? Totally. Yeah. Well, so now that we're all starting to understand the symbiotic relationship that exists between our mind and gut, I'd like to zone in on the importance of focusing on how we feel as we eat and after consumption. Many times we eat without intention, without awareness, without checking in and actually asking our body, how do you feel do you feel stuffed or nourished? Two completely different feelings. So Vanessa, could you discuss some of the physical effects that we might notice when eating industrial white bread? And you touched on it a little earlier, but I just wanted to revisit it. Go back to intentions, Kasata. What is the, what is the intention of someone who is manufacturing industrial white bread? What's their core value? Money. Okay. It's not in their interest for you to be satiated in any way, shape or form because they make money out of you eating more. We know that the big brands, uh, the fast food, they want you to eat two burgers. They want you to eat three sandwiches. They don't want you to be satiated. And they don't really care if you get fat. Who cares? Who you know? They have no interest in whether your blood sugar has gone up. They actually care about bottom line and their profit. And it is against the... the sort of foundational symbolism of what I think bread, real bread actually means. So my children used to bite, I mean, you know, it's quite funny really. <laughs> so most children are going out and, you know, they'd be running around looking for, for, for the things they shouldn't eat. Um, my children would run around and if they, if they bit into a white, you know, they used to have their parties when they're little and they bite into a cheesy white and they'd go, yeah, mommy, it's stuck and it would stick. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's to go and cry 
can't and nobody could ever ever eat sliced white because it would be wrong of me I mean you know if I'm feeling you know I I can I can be caught on the very very rarest of occasions eating a fish finger sandwich with tomato ketchup and loads of butter I'm not you know my head isn't going to explode but on a day-to-day basis it raises your blood sugar and it denies your body fiber and Okay, not industrial sliced sourdough because because there is a market there for bread that is you know an industrial sourdough that is a genuine sourdough that is 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 genuinely fermented and genuinely full of fiber. That's a fantastic. Richard Burton does a product. Um, I think that there is a delight in real sourdough, the home baker market. I mean, you only have to look the hashtag sourdough, look at sourdough club. Look at the delight of that kind of burnished crust and the copper and the Maillard reaction, you know, from the restaurant. If you roast something, the flavours are there with a little bit of cold butter and it's squidgy and soft and and you can drag it. You know, the French don't eat it like the English. You know, we're like all uptight with our cucumber sandwich. Oh no, the French like drag this gorgeous bread through their sauces and eat it like, you know, there's no wonder that we, you know, we associate that uh, bon viveur and that delight in food with their reputation in the bedroom. They just absolutely love the good things in life. <laughs> you watch a Frenchman eating bread at the table. He's not holding back. Right. <laughs> That's a good, you know, we know the French know good things. So right. uh, at the end of the day, good bread is is sexy, you know, and you should really kind of lose yourself in that kind of nine and is it was it nine and a half weeks, that fridge moment? It was like, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm going to kind of like throw myself over the floor and start sort of, you know, breathing heavily at the fridge at the sourdough school, but good bread is good, you know? Yeah. And so with all of the talk about microbes and gut and everything else, there is something so just bloody gorgeous about decent bread and butter. And also <laughs> cultured butter with some living microbes to nourish your gut while you're enjoying it. So it's, you know, you can eat bread and butter the simplest most affordable most accessible food that there is uh, whether you're the queen of england herself you won't eat better bread than the kind of bread that i teach you to make it's cool that's awesome well while we're on this and the bread that you make and rethinking the way that we bake bread and mill flour i know that you have seven principles of baking to nourish within this approach you bake with wild yeast uh, you create these diversity and botanical blend breads. Can you break down just in a very simple way your idea, your basic idea of baking to nourish? I think it's baking to nourish is uh, baking bread in a way that is going to do you good. You can just say this bread is good for you. And it's a system that I developed we said seven core principles of approaching your bread with these seven things in your mind so the first one we've discussed is increasing the the, the amount of fiber I think that's probably one of the most important things even more important than perhaps the fermentation increasing diversity doesn't have to be one of my magical botanical blends you can just do it by raiding the, the kitchen cupboard 
fermenting it long and slow using those microbes that are actually free. They're on your hands, they're in the air, they're on the flower. Increasing the level of antioxidants, so considering the way you're eating it or what you put in it, look for reds, blues, greens. Uh, Miguel, our in-house uh, gut microbiome specialist, talks about eating a rainbow. Increasing the probiotics, so never miss an opportunity to eat something alive with it. So like my really stinky out-of-date cheese, my rock <laughs> fork today, I mean, it, it was like, wooey! Um, <laughs> of the table kind of moved back slightly um uh yogurt kefir kimchi sauerkraut pickles oh my gosh you know find something that you love and they're very inexpensive to make uh, or you can buy them you know don't be ashamed just go to the supermarket and, and, and buy there's a lot of products that artisan makers are actually creating oh sweetie um sorry my apprentice has just arrived <laughs> um uh, reduce refined sugar you know we've we've become accustomed to everything being really sugary you know mm. cakes as well it's not just bread that you can ferment you can ferment cakes and bakes and pancakes and pasta and pastry it's not only uh, bread and then really the final kind of one of our sort of powerful ways to nourish your gut microbiome is those lifestyle changes that we were talking about turn the phone off get your hands in the dough share your bread always make two loaves never make one loaf oh my gosh always make another loaf. find a random person in the street to go and give it to it doesn't really matter just share your bread it's meant to share and kind of take the time to connect to the people that your ingredients came from, the farmer who grew the, the grain, the the miller, the herbalist who maybe you bought some herbs of, I don't know, the cheesemaker. There's a whole world out there of like-minded people who have this kind of appreciation of those very quiet, humble, ordinary moments of life that can be just so beautiful. And I think bread that nourishes is can be as complex as you like. You can come and chat with me right down to the balance of which microbes in your gut do what from which part of the prebiotics in, in which bread. Or you can come and chat to me about the fact that I'll have two slices and be slightly too full after lunch. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's um, it's... You can take from it what you want and what you need because it's it's so beautifully part and parcel of who we are and our, our identity as humans fundamentally we evolved to share our language evolved to 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 participate in sharing um interestingly it's in the interest of the microbes in the gut that we share that's how we pass microbes to and from each other and the word bread is uh pain. the word friend is coupin companion with with bread and I just think it's uh, part of our identity and who we are it's probably I felt like it was what what made the French French was their bread not their <laughs> wine or their cheese it was the bread because everything's centered around it right and that's well, the, why it's important to eat it the, the bread that nourishes because it, it is representative of all that's good in the world and I think this is a perfect time to go along with what is good in the world. In my research, I learned that you are a practicing Buddhist. <laughs> and immediately I thought, what better person than a Buddhist to spend her life's passion connecting our microbial community to our gut, 
all while educating people about this special relationship. And I'd love for you to talk about how the world is interconnected and the importance of it all, which you just started, specifically the health and wellness of the planet, the land, the people, how it's all connected to what we eat. Um, I've been printing off as part of my doctorate, actually, um, and, and digging quite deep into uh, my own value system and what, what's driven me. And, you know, it boils down, I keep coming back to the same thing over and over again. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, the only real thing that matters is the way you feel. Money doesn't affect that, you know, it's a temporary thing. You can be wealthy and, and miserable, you can be poor and miserable. But actually the only thing that matters is the way you feel. And I suppose if everything that we've discussed today, if, if, if I'm even half right, then the bread that you eat every day impacts the composition of your gut microbiome and its ability to make those metabolites in your brain and chemically it will impact the the way your gut and brain works and it will impact the way you feel so if you're going to feel good you you have to have a balanced diet that is optimally uh, nourishing to to allow your brain to make those chemicals to be able to feel good and on a very personal level um, that social aspect of sharing and, and connecting to people. So I suppose I've, I think that the only thing that anyone ever remembers about you is the way you make them feel. Um, and I think that I often think about what will people say when, I, when, when I'm gone. I like to, I almost look at my life backwards. And like, what, what are people going to say about me? What would, what would they say? And they can say lots of things about me that I'm quite sort of difficult at times I I'm, I'm, don't think I'm the easiest person in the world to live with because I'm quite obsessive uh, but I think they would probably say that um, that I was really passionate about sharing something that I feel is about equality and you know and, and I think everybody has the right to feel um, to be able to feel happy and content because that is the way we look at the world and you cannot appreciate a beautiful view or a beautiful day or a beautiful meal if you feel bad so actually it's about getting the best out of every day and, and again that comes back to that very humble standing just looking at and asking yourself how you feel and if baking bread that nourishes can help that then I think that's a you know that's a good life's work bravo well this is kind of, I don't know if you have any other gems, but what you just said is absolutely beautiful. And as we end our interview, Vanessa, I just want to thank you for sharing your story with us. And I always like ending by asking if there's any takeaway that you'd like to leave with listeners that can positively influence their lives, much like what you just said. It could be something that we just discussed, a pro tip or general life advice that you live by. Bread is, flour is probably one of the most inexpensive products on the market. You know, you just, you, you don't even need a bowl to make bread. You can use an old colander and a tea towel if you want to, or an old tin. You can actually just make it and make it into um, pita bread and bake it on a, a, a flat pan. 
you know, Indian style. I think all of the recipes that I, I have, the core recipes, all of the information, everything that I've just told you is available for free. It's there on my website. It's on sado.co.uk. And, you know, I guess there are some people who've been business advisors who've told me, you know, you're mad. You're giving away the absolute core of, of your knowledge and understanding. But actually, good bread should be free. That knowledge should be free. And it's there on the website. Put a lot of effort and time into it. There's pictures. There's recipes. There's a pizza recipe. There's a tin loaf recipe. There's a sado recipe. And there's a how to get your starter going and how to maintain it. It's free on sado.co.uk. You can make a loaf of bread in this country for as little as 20 pence that would feed the family, that would nourish you. I think that, you know, this is not about money. This is about knowledge and sharing it. And that's why I'm here chatting with you. It's about, you know, empowering people to to do something. And, you know, we've had a lot of our empowerment taken off of us in covid We've been told what we can and can't do, where we can and can't do go, where who we can and can't speak to. We've been told what we can and can't eat. We've been told all these things, and I'm saying, you know, this is this is a little bit pocket of freedom and equality, and it's it's everything I can give to you is there on sourdough.co.uk. Just go get it. Awesome. Just bake and give it. Give make two loaves, one for you, one for your friends or neighbours, and make that connection, that friendship. Amazing. And Vanessa, you already mentioned your website, but if you want to mention it again, and also where can people follow you? I don't know if maybe on Instagram or all the places. <laughs> so we have, we have a few Instagram accounts. We have Sado Club, which is just shy of 200,000 followers at the moment, which is uh, quite a few people that I have to talk to. Uh, Sado School, which is also Instagram. My personal Instagram that I actually I've, I do that all myself is Vanessa Kimball, which is uh, K I M B double L. The free recipes, the free knowledge, and so many features and articles backing up with all the studies. By the way, there's 450 studies on the database. Saudo.co.uk forward slash research. You want to dig deeper? It's all there. I don't hide it. I think it's very wrong to hide that knowledge. So it's there. The features and articles on blood sugar and diabetes and IBS are all for free. You can just read them on the website. Um, if you want to kind of get really involved with what I do and you want to bake and be guided and be part of that amazing community, that is a club. And I say it's not a course because a course implies that there's an end and I'm still baking downstairs. I'm doing a big poop spread downstairs at the moment. <laughs> and that bread is heading over to the club. We have new recipes. We have guests. We have videos. We have tutorials. We have competitions. I pop up and chit chat on the on their webinars. I mean, it's just, I've been doing club for 10 years. It is absolutely chocked full of interaction and actually genuine interaction. So that's the sadoclub.com. And I, I suppose, you know, I hesitate to say, but I'm a real person. And usually if someone talks to me, we've got books. I've just done my fifth book. It's called 10 Minutes Sado. It's published in September. Again, that's the first. No one else knows about this. You have wow. The first day. Uh, yeah, so I'm now officially allowed to tell you about that. <laughs> How to make sourdough in just 10 minutes. Uh, it's really everything I've talked about in just 10 minutes. That's out in September the 2nd. Um, Congratulations. <laughs> 10 minutes sourdough wow mm, mm. so that's uh really kind of kind of well 
it, it's a I guess it's what the way I make it when I'm in a hurry just gotta get bread and and so it's again it's it's not inaccessible even for people with really busy lives exactly so well you've heard it here guys information galore it's been such a pleasure Vanessa and our listeners I already know are so grateful to have you on um that's it folks thank you for listening and if you haven't already follow have you eaten yet wherever you get your podcasts